We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And tonight, Austin Reeves returns to the Lakers lineup, and this will be the healthiest the Lakers have been all season, I think. All last two seasons, maybe. Uh, at least that's what's projected to be. Mike, uh, let's start with you. What's the latest update on Austin? Uh, he's probable for tonight, right? Yes, fellas. So Austin spoke at practice yesterday, and it was probably say the most media members that I've seen her to practice since media day with, uh, you know, everybody wanting to find out some trade thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that didn't really happen, uh, really. I mean, uh, Darvin Ham got asked a couple of questions about it, but I think handled it well. And LeBron didn't wasn't uh, didn't speak, and you know neither did AD or Russ. So the the main story out of all of that ends up being that Austin Reeves, uh, which is a big deal for the Laker Film Room podcast. Oh, I know, and I think he could have come back <laughs> on the trip. We had hinted at that that maybe as early as the Indiana game, but certainly the New Orleans game, and they decided to just give him an extra couple days and stick with the guys that they had been playing rotation wise. But now that he is back, that does beg the question of whose minutes are going to get cut. Because uh, it's going to have to be somebody. And I don't think he's going to go right into his full role uh, that he was playing as, as essentially the often closing guard or one of the two closing guards. And at times he certainly started when other players were out. But to me, he lands into one of those bench guard spots. And so that's the that's the question to kick back to you, Darius, is whose minutes is Austin taking? And what role do you see him playing not necessarily the first couple games as it gets integrated, but but eventually, you know, where would you like to see that as a part of what Darvin Ham has going on with the rotation? So before I answer that question, I'm going to kick it back to you guys with just a quick open question, because the answer to that is going to determine, I think, my answer to what Mike's asking. For back-to-back -back seasons, every time Austin has started to ramp up and get like a larger and larger role and start to be in the 30 minute range, 32 minute range, he started to get worn down and it happens. I don't want to say quickly, but it does happen. And this time it resulted in a soft tissue injury, but he gets worn down. And so I just wanted to ask you 
both of you, what is like the appropriate minute range for Austin Reeves where you feel like on a night to night basis, you're going to get the very best of him and that's going to be sustainable over sustainable, like yeah. an extended stretch of the season? I'd say 20 to 24 minutes. Where are you at on that, Mike? Yeah, ish. This is that same conversation we used to have about Caruso and mm-hmm. different players, but they play similarly hard. Uh, and I think uh, just to separate, though, Austin from Caruso for a second. Part of his to me, the part of the reason that the minutes have to be a little bit lower is just the role coming into the league and the role and, and the kind of reflective minutes of that that he spent a little time going away from what he was doing at Oklahoma, you know, as that kind of the, the real guy that was carrying the biggest load and being on the court for all of that time. But I also don't want to limit him to that. Cause I think that part of that is like a mental mindset. And then the reality part of it though, is the physical and where his body is relative to what the rest of the NBA is as compared to what it was in college. And so I think that as his body continues to get stronger um, and he did put on some strength in this off season, then he can each year build that load up a little bit. But it is different from LeBron, who comes in and just with what what he has, that's the absolute peak example of coming in and being being immediately just as big and just as strong as everybody in the league. And I think that as that's kind of a that's gonna be something that can ascend for Austin as he goes on. But right now, uh, I, I do think that that kind of 25 minute ish range is probably where he's at physically. And next year, hopefully he can get up to 30. But uh, but I think that you have to account for how much he does get worn down and and what we've seen with some of these soft tissue type injuries. So the reason why I ask is because obviously these numbers are influenced by injuries and the fact that, as Pete alluded to earlier, this is the healthiest the team has been. And so when guys are out, other guys have to step up and take on more minutes. And so Austin is currently fourth on the Lakers in minutes per game. So he averages 29 minutes a night. And there are actually mm-hmm. 10 Lakers who average 20 minutes or more this season. 10 Lakers who mm-hmm. play 20 minutes a game whenever they come in, with Thomas Bryant being the lowest of that. And I think he's at around 21 minutes a night. And so when you ask me, whose minutes is he going to take? Well, I don't know, because a lot of guys play. And when they play, they play a lot. And so it's just like... Like, okay, well, Lonnie plays 24 minutes a night or 26 minutes a night, and Troy Brown plays 24 minutes a night, and Patrick Beverly plays 25 minutes a night. And and so, Pete, are you talking about like taking five or six minutes from each of these guys and giving them to Austin Reeves? Or are you talking about excising someone completely? Yeah, so there are a couple of ways that we can go about this. At this particular time, especially having seen the team from an energy level standpoint, you had mentioned on the pod uh, not too long ago that a nine-man rotation was ideal. And I think that in a big picture sense, I agree with that. But right now, I think the team's tired. And I think that like I would love to see it extended out to 10, 11 guys in the rotation and just have everybody's minutes reduced just a little bit, especially seeing those 39, 40 minute nights from LeBron or AD. Now we have to win the games, of course, but when you have 10 guys that have played 20 minutes plus, the reason for that is because guys have missed time for injury. Thomas Bryant's playing 21 minutes per game in aggregate on over the course of the season because he was playing 30 something minutes a game when Anthony Davis was out. And so... That to me, like we've got several guys that are capable of playing. If one guy had to be pushed out, it would be Lonnie for me. But 
like I think that this is an opportunity going into the all-star break with kind of the fatigue level that we have to just play a couple more guys. Uh, but that may not be the direction that Darvin goes in. And I think that sticking to a nine-man rotation is also, there's a credible argument for that too. Mike, one of the things that happened with last year's team is Frank tried to play 10 or 11 guys pretty consistently. And I think that spoke to what Pete's talking about in terms of like guys were out with injuries, but also as you carry more and more of a load and as you search for more and more lineups that are going to be successful, you try to give more guys opportunities. And Frank ended up then scaling back and saying like, you know what, like these guys, they're actually not getting enough minutes to be in a rhythm like we're cutting their shifts too short. They're not getting a flow of things. And, and so how do you strike the balance, Mike, between playing that many guys and and then also to speak to Pete's point, getting enough energy so that the shifts so these guys can play harder in the minutes that they are on the court? Because I saw LeBron play 12 consecutive minutes and Anthony Davis play 12 consecutive minutes in the fourth quarter. And then they weren't defending at a high enough level and they weren't making their their rotations and you need they need that support and darvin said this like these other guys they need to play better too in order to be able to get those guys off of the court and so how do you strike that balance mike between like we need these guys to play hard but we also need them to feel engaged in the game and that might mean like extending a shift here or there it is a delicate balance to me I think more often than not, I would prefer not to extend shifts, especially to LeBron and AD, and just have it go in with the expectation that putting the responsibility on either the bench players or whatever starters are going to play a little bit more. And just like Phil Jackson used to do it. And I know it's a lot easier said than done, but LeBron just, just it's better for him to play 35 minutes than 40 um, at New Orleans in the middle of the week at the end of, at the end of a road trip. And sometimes, it's got to be, this is acknowledging how difficult this is for Darvin Ham and LeBron. You look out there and, and you, you kind of make eye contact with LeBron and give him a thumbs up, thumbs down, and he gives you the thumbs up. And then you say, nope, you're coming to the bench anyway. That's a, a very difficult thing to do. So for me, it's not so much the thumbs up, thumbs down. It's, it's looking over at him and just doing the motion and then looking away. And even if he gets mad for a little bit, but then he stands right back up. And, and I, I just think that's, that's one part of it. Again, easier said than done. And if you look at the New Orleans game, so 40 minutes for LeBron, we'll shave off six from that. AD played 38, shave off three. Schroeder played 37. And as well as Schroeder has been playing, mm -hmm. I think that's got to be closer to 30. Uh, yep. And because, because he's at his best when he's got his full energy. And I think that's for his legs as well. Like he was one for six from the field and the jumper mm -hmm. wasn't going in because Dennis plays hard as hell. And yep. as I talk about all the time, it's hard to play two ways hard as hell and then still have legs to shoot. So that's that's one thing. Beverly played 27. You could trim three off that, you know, at it, it, like it's not it's not hard to trim those minutes off. And what do we have there? Like we're already getting close to 15 and like Russ played 23, which is fine. Sometimes I think that can be extended. And uh, let's see. Troy Brown Jr. played 31. So even just with those guys, there's enough to add some to Austin and still play Lonnie a little bit. So I'm I'm just thinking like play everybody a little bit less. Use the ten man rotation right now. If you if you get to the point where there's a certain game that is really important to win, it, 
anything can be shifted for a one game type thing. We're just talking about a general pattern. And then the other thing that will happen is that somebody knock on wood and, and hopefully it won't be serious. Somebody will have something, whether it's an, a non COVID illness or a tweak of something. One of these guys will start missing time again. And then you can, you know, you're going to have to add minutes and maybe you bring Max Christie back in, but that's the the general point that I'm making is that just trim all, trim the minutes a little bit for everybody. My one concern with that, so I agree with that in a global sense. My one concern with that is that if you add another guard to what we're already doing, I think you exacerbate these. We've got too many small lineups in general. Like it's a recipe for those small guard, you know, three small guard lineups more frequently that I actually think we need to be getting away from. So I agree with that in principle, but that's one of my concerns on that. Mike, what's your perspective on that. No, I agree. I agree with that too. I think both of those things are true. And when I'm, when I was talking about minutes shaving, some of those minutes, not all those minutes need to go to Austin. Uh, some of those minutes can go to Wendy Gabriel and sure. some of those minutes, you know, should be keeping Troy Brown on the floor a little bit more uh, and in, you know, trimming some of those three guard lineups, even though he is a guard, at least he's a little bit bigger. So I'm, I'm with you on that. No arguments whatsoever. Rui also played 19 minutes in the game at New Orleans, and, and that's not enough. You, yeah, so it's just like one. Of, so I don't know if either of you saw LeBron sit down with Mike Wilbon. Um, he had a little sit down. It aired during NBA Today. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday the seventh. Uh, this aired on Monday the sixth. And LeBron talked a lot about a lot of different things. And if you hadn't have, and if you haven't had the chance, you you should seek out the full interview. He talked about Kareem and the scoring record and his feelings in the aftermath of trade rumors and the Kyrie Irving stuff. And there's a lot to unpack and and a lot to chew on. I'm I'm not going to bring up any of that. The part that interested me is LeBron saying. He got back to that idea, Mike, of keeping the main thing the main thing and pivoting his focus back to this group and how he thinks this group can perform down the stretch. And one of the things that he mentioned, these are terms of phrases that all players use. And so it's just like maybe I'm just projecting some. But LeBron mentioned the idea of getting chemistry together, which I think is important because this team hasn't played together a lot, particularly with Rui in the mix. But also he talked about and shoring up our rotation so that everyone knows when they're coming in and when they're going out. Like it was like mm. like and that's sort of a standard fair answer. But it's also to me, it like perked my ears a little bit, Pete, because we're 50 something games into the season and injuries impact that. But not that's not the only thing that impacts that. Sure. The other thing that impacts that is just like a coach sort of searching for things. And and I do think it is important that Darwin starts to figure not figure out, but really just starts to say this is what it's going to be, because mm -hmm. the New Orleans game, I thought, was like, oh, this is really different than what happened just two days ago in the other game. And the and the available players hadn't changed. It was the same group of guys, but yet this time it's AD that's going out early and it's LeBron that's stretching out. And it's, and like, that was one of the things that as much as like we could lament like Frank and his rotations and, and everything else. One thing I did like about him is it's like, hey, it's six minutes, LeBron's coming out. And then mm -hmm. at the three minute mark, he's coming back in and then he's wrapping around the quarter. And then at four minutes after like, right, like there were you knew what it was going to look like. And I, I don't think that consistency has necessarily been there this season, even when the same groups have been available. 
And from a player perspective, I, I can see how that's very difficult, right? Players are big on preparation and knowing just kind of having an idea of like, like LeBron said, when you're coming in and when you're coming out. I have a bit of sympathy for that on this year's team in particular, because there's been that existing, like, it wasn't like previous Lakers teams where, not counting last season in particular, but um, where you had the general structure of you knew who was going to start, you knew who was going to play. Maybe there was one spot where it was like, oh, maybe this guy could start instead. At the beginning of this season, we had LeBron and AD and it could have been any number of eight or nine guys could have started and then the rotation could have been different when guys are coming in and out of the game. And that to me, I think is an understated part of the two intense start. And then when you throw it, the injuries on top of it, of which we do, we've either been out multiple rotation guys or a star pretty much the entire season. And the one time that we weren't without a star was the one time where we didn't know who everybody else was supposed to be during that beginning stretch. And so I have a little bit of patience uh, for that. That said, it is time to kind of solidify and lock in what we're going to do. So let's take a break. And when we come back, continue the conversation on that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so Austin Reeves back, and the first test is Oklahoma City, and the Lakers have not seen Oklahoma City yet. They got run out of Golden State last night in the second half, uh, partially because Klay Thompson was just completely on fire. And I was thinking about this game and, and just specifically how OKC, this young team with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's a, obviously an all-star and playing great, and, and a bunch of young talent, a bunch of big perimeter type players without an actual big man. And, and just, it's just a unique situation where there's all, there's going to be all the buzz around LeBron and he's got 36 points to go to pass Kareem, which I think is probably more likely to happen on Thursday. But what, what the vibe in there is going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of celebs. There's going to be people anticipating all of it. And to me, that's going to eliminate some of the tired legs that OKC may have from golden state. 
and they're just going to be sort of excited to be there and running around and, and knowing what they're doing. So it's a it's a super unique one uh, that I think while while everything around LeBron is massively significant, the Lakers really need to just win the game. Yeah, <laughs> in a big way. And then they have they have Giannis coming in. The Bucks are on fire. Giannis has been playing great. And uh, and then have a have a back to back. Well, not a back to back, but two road games in a row. So I'm Austin is a is a part of that, Pete. But I, I think that the bigger the bigger picture is just what is this team going to do to uh, how are they going to attack this team that they have yet to see? And I'm sure they watch a little bit of tape on, but you know, but probably have seen less than almost anybody else in the Western Conference. And I think they might be surprised by sort of how effective OKC can be. And and that to me is uh, is should be a worry sign uh, for the Lakers, which I'm not sure that they are aware of. Right. Yeah. I've been worried about the Pelicans game and this game for a minute. Now, I'm hoping that the same effect of, of having the everything going on with LeBron and just the general buzz in the building also benefits the Lakers as well. The NBA is notorious for that first game coming back from a road trip being kind of a dud usually for the, the home team, of which this qualifies. OKC being like better than you expect them to be is another thing that concerns me from that front. But guys, we're 25 and 29. Like we're past the point where we, we have, we can afford to overlook anybody really. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we are aggressive and attacking because I think that OKC just doesn't have the size, particularly in the paint, to kind of keep us out of there. And so I'd love to see us attack while being big. But with the return of Austin, D, like I was saying earlier, I think that could possibly pretend for more of the smaller groups that I think that those are more vulnerable to OKC. Yeah, we'll see. So no Lou Dort tonight. That's an important mm-hmm. distinction in terms of what their defensive capabilities are on the perimeter, particularly since Dort is the primary defender of LeBron James on a lot of possessions. The Thunder are an extremely young team. They Their veterans are more like front court guys if they have them at all. And so it's just like, OK, like, how are they going to match up from the from the perspective of of like experience and and like in the moment I'm going to beat you with all of the pageantry that's going to surround this game and every game until LeBron breaks the record. I'm interested in all of that stuff. The point about playing bigger is important to me because We have long seen the Lakers, like the Lakers identity and Darwin has preached this a lot is to be physical and to be fast. And that's, that plays into the hand. Like, like, do you remember this? One of the theories of the seven seconds or less sons was that they had They wanted to play fast, but one of the reasons they wanted to play fast was because they had more talent than a lot of other teams. And the variance of their style of play created advantages in ways that if you add possessions to the game, their their quality was very likely to play out over the course of the longer game. And so the interesting thing to me is the Lakers are a sub 500 team, but they still play at one of the fastest paces in the league. And so they're creating more possessions for themselves, but they're also giving other teams more more possessions, too. And one of the things that I've wanted the Lakers to do is to have that fastball pitch, but to also have a slow. And 
Rui, to me, is an interesting pivot point within this discussion yeah. because he is a guy who could run and he is a guy who could finish in transition, Mike. But he is also another viable half-court option. And the Lakers have not, I don't think, utilized a lot of their half-court offensive prowess to the maximum level that they that they could outside of their dynamic pick-and-roll play. So they do not run a lot of post-ups. Like for anyone really beyond LeBron, they will run some for 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 AD. But teams have switched a lot against the Lakers and they have not gone to the post a lot. Boston famously was starting possessions with Malcolm Brogdon on AD and the Lakers were still running their pick and roll sets when it's really just like, well, why don't we if if the point is to try to get multiple defenders to try to converge on one spot of the floor based off of a pick and roll, well, you can do that just by throwing the ball to Anthony Davis in the post because I can guarantee mm-hmm. you the second defender's coming. Right? That's right. And teams have been switching. They've been switching smaller guys onto Thomas Bryant because they feel comfortable switching bigs on the Russell Westbrook in pick and roll situations because those bigs just lay off. But the Lakers aren't doing a lot of like swing, swing, okay, duck in to Thomas Bryant and make them Mm -hmm. make the defense sort of scram out of that in terms of like switch the big back or like just compromise them in in different ways, Pete. And so there this is the part of the season where everyone has all the tape. They've had it for a long time, but now they really have it. And this is where I'm looking for coaches to sort of like step up a little bit. Austin said something interesting in in his post-practice media where he said, we installed some things in the last couple of days that are going to help us, I think, in various ways. And like the Lakers don't practice a lot, which is totally understandable. Like they're an older team in a lot of ways and they're nursing injuries. And so I've talked a lot. But jump in and take any of those topics wherever you want to go, because I think this is where we need to start to see some get up and go, particularly in the half court sets. Yeah, in the half court, to me, the the most the likeliest path toward that is in the post. And we are not particularly organized when we throw the ball into the post because we don't throw the ball into the post very often. And so it's sort of a chicken or the egg type of thing. But even when we do throw the ball into Anthony Davis when he's matched up against Brogdon or TB on a switch, we do not seem to know what we're supposed to do next off of that. And we often don't take advantage of drawing that second defender as a result of that. So that's where my mind goes, Mike, when Austin talks about we installed some things. I think that the post game, regardless of what the roster looks like going forward, we've got a lot of guys who can post up in different ways between AD, LeBron, Russ can do it, TB, Rui, right? We've got several guys that can do that. And so I think maximizing that is going to be important. I think I'll stick on Anthony Davis for a second because after the game in New Orleans, I was talking, well, I was, I was asking him about how long did it take him to really get his rhythm when he was playing in that MVP form? And remember, it was it was a good month, really, mm-hmm. before he just started to kind of kick everyone's ass in the, the Milwaukee mm-hmm. game and then the Washington game and that kind of kicked off his run. And so he's only still a couple of weeks since he returned. And I think he's played five games. Five games. Because it was yeah, San Antonio, missed, then yeah. four of the five games on the road trip. Yeah. He missed the uh, the Brooklyn game, right? So in, in those, yeah, in those five games, you know, he really, the first two, he was clearly out of rhythm. It's 21 points and then 16 points. And um, then he got rolling a little bit in New York, 9 to 16. Then the shots really start to, to go up in Indy and New Orleans, where he took 27 and then 25, but he wasn't particularly efficient. Um, he was missing a bunch of shots around the rim. And you could just see that his legs were getting tired as the game went on. So 
how close can is AD to getting back to the point where he can really be the efficient hub uh, of an offense? And some of it's going to come inside. He's still going to take some face-up jumpers and, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, how much does he have left on the defensive end, which you alluded to earlier in the podcast, and, and that started to wane against New Orleans and in the first three quarters against Indy. But it was there in spots. He had a couple of blocks in both games. He had a steal in both games, whereas he was not doing that as much in New York um, or Boston. So it's it's just a – I think that I'm going to answer my own question here and say that it's still going to be a little bit before he gets to that full point, and I don't think it's going to be against OKC necessarily. But I would still love to see them – and this is where the, the coaching versus what LeBron's doing on the court comes into play – if, if he's not optimizing just in the game flow, what are a couple things that the Lakers can do that Darvin Ham can do? Which, remember, this was this started to be discussed before he went on the run early in the year. Like, hey, are there things that you need to do to get AD in certain spots? You know, that, that type of thing, that whole discussion. And I think that just with everything that's been going on with his team, that maybe some of that has been lost. And and it we haven't been treating him as as kind of this... Uh, this weapon that can be unleashed even more effectively if just if just directed in a, a, a couple of ways. And uh, that that to me would be it's just something I was thinking about. And I'm, I'm not sure how practical it is for them to put in. And but, but I, I do I would love to see AD put in a couple more optimized spots. This for me is more an AD thing, D, than anybody else. It's more internal to him than an external thing that I think that once AD gets up to that point, um, I'm curious what his answer was on how long it took about uh, the rhythm to get up you know, to the point where he was dominating at that MVP level. But that to me is an AD thing more than anything else, and that we need to get to the point where LeBron and AD are both clicking and looking like superstars at the same time. Um, and I think it's more them than an external thing but maybe i'm off on that do you see something we could be doing let me let me just jump back in on it quick though of course it's an ad thing and but if he's not doing it like then then he then sure then something has to be corrected sure yeah because and and there are reasons that he might not be doing it and and this is what we talked about before he even returned in the first place is and it's not that he's been settling for like in playing the way that he was a couple years ago i don't think that's been the case I, i think it's much more of just a rhythm thing and it's just like a that sometimes if if things aren't going a certain way, Darius, can can there be a couple of sort of pet sets or something? And, and it's not that they haven't been doing it, by the way. There have been some of these things that have been in there. Are there a couple things to just get it going the right way for him if it's not happening organically? That's, I guess, what I'm what I'm asking. No, there are. There are some pet sets. One of the things that um, they ran this against the Pacers a fair amount, but AD is great on these um, empty pick and rolls that are, that come from the side angle. He runs these a lot Love with Russ, but they're also great actions that that they run with with LeBron. There's also a screen the screener action that the Lakers run with Anthony Davis op- operating in 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 the middle of things, where a guard will come in like basically AD acts like he's going to screen a guard and then. He, for a back screen and then he'll go and then he'll screen again. And there's like this exchange where he gets his defender operating on a certain angle and then he goes and sets an angled screen on the left side of the floor so that the right-handed ball handler can go middle. And then AD is then going down the left-hand side of the court on an empty side again. And that's one of the hallmarks, Pete, of, of when the Lakers are looking to get 
the screener, the ball, it's their empty sets on the empty yeah. side of the court mm-hmm. where they should be operating. And, and it's, it's these work best with Russ because Russ needs the space. Like, and if that, if that other defender is sort of just lurking in there, like it sort of clouds rushes Russ's vision a little bit and it makes it more difficult for for him to operate in in a crowd. And that's that's one of Russ's weaknesses at this stage of his career is like he's less effective in in a crowd. Now, he can if he sees it early, he can he he can pass a guy open. But once he's actually enveloped by by people, it's just like it's it's too late at that point for him. Mm -hmm. And and so, which is much different than like LeBron. LeBron is in a crowd and he's just like, oh, look, there's the shooter way over there. I'm just going to jump and throw it as hard as I possibly can. And then it's like right in the guy's shooting pocket and you're like, this dude is unbelievable. And so, and getting back to to AD, I don't want to necessarily run straight post-ups for Anthony Davis. I do think they can do that some. But I'm I'm way more looking to say like, hey, like, let's run empty side pick and rolls with AD and not just straight ones where you're just like, oh, let's dribble to the side. And there's two of us here, but running some motion and some action in order to flow into that where the defense is sort of caught off guard a little bit. And you're going to get AD baskets that will well, that way and probably a lot of them. In the New York game, uh, Russ had a great overtime in that and we ran a lot of side pick and roll and after the game Mike asked both Darvin and Russ about it and they both brought up one point that I thought was super interesting that I I, I hadn't considered it and Darvin was first and he was like yeah Russ had a smaller guy on him which Russ echoed again in the locker room like I had a smaller guy on me and I was like huh I wonder how much that determines whether or not they're going to run side pick and rolls versus pick and rolls at the top one of the reasons I've liked those side pick and rolls and just for definitional purposes what I mean by that at least are pick and rolls that are set from the free throw line and below so yes. you're talking either the wing or the corner or where they, the play kind of starts out one of the things I really like about that is I think it helps both Russ but also Dennis when we do this sometimes too because those guys really need to hit the turbo button to be effective on the pick and roll. At some point, they're going to decide to hit the gas and get all the way to the rack and that's how they can be uh, they can be productive. Now think about that. If you start at the top of the key and you hit the turbo button, this happens to Dennis a decent amount, and you don't beat the guy the way that you hope to, you're running out of real estate. You are running out of bounds with the basketball and you got to make that pass either to the corner or over to the wing, of which Dennis can make this pass pretty well, especially with his length. But you are running out of real estate and sometimes those are going to get deflected or stolen. Um, Whereas if you start it from the side, the guys that really have to hit the turbo boosters, there's still some real estate. You're not running directly out of bounds and you have a pass that's in front of you, which is also an important thing for those turbo booster kind of guards is that like when you're going that fast, it's not as possible to throw the skip pass across your body behind you type of thing. And But you do have one or two options, either if it's the weak side corner or the weak side wing to be able to distribute the ball if your role man isn't open or if you don't have a 
a shot that you like. And so, but the fact that they brought up those points, Mike, about the having a smaller guy on him and Darwin elaborated on that a little bit saying that angle is really tough, which also makes sense because even though you have the benefit of hitting the turbo button and you have players in front of you, you're not hitting the turbo button going toward the basket. You're going toward the sideline and you kind of got to curl your body at the end of that to be able to make the layup or to be able to put the attack on the actual rim with the ball in your hands. So those are things, Mike, that I think that that we can do more of is the side pick and rolls, but also just getting that more established and organized post game for when they switch, because a lot of that stuff doesn't just doesn't work as well when a defense switches. Helpful and good answers. So if I can get one quick standings watch point in uh, at the end of the pod here, please, a, a couple of teams going clearly up, all right? The, the Clippers and the Suns have both won 8 of 10. And the Suns have done this without getting Devin Booker back, so it seems like they've kind of righted the ship some. You know, Chris Paul's back, Cam Johnson is back, they're getting healthier. And, you know, they, to me, those two teams are are unlikely to be teams that are going to be, you know, potentially dropping into that zone of, of where the Lakers will either likely or can catch them. Dallas is interesting because they've, uh, they've lost 6 of 10, but they just made the Kyrie trade. So mm-hmm. kind of we'll see, but in, in, in it helps them in some ways. I think it'll hurt them in some ways defensively. Uh, Minnesota has been trending up one seven of 10 cats still a little bit away, maybe after the all-star break, but they've kind of figured out at least a rhythm. And that brings us to golden state and having lost Steph Curry, the Lakers play the warriors three times in this next month, which is the time period by which he's going to be out. And that would be a stroke of good luck. Just like some of the teams that played the Lakers a couple of times when Anthony Davis was out uh, in that five mm-hmm. and a half week stretch. So I, I still sort of trust their institutional system and team, and it's, it's hard to have them be a pick to go out, but they have really struggled uh, without Steph, and, and it's, it requires a lot um, from other players. And so I, I just wanted to throw that out there as a team now um, with, you know, with in that group of New Orleans, Portland, if we see, if you agree with me, that Utah and OKC drop some, I'm just curious if you guys think that this Steph thing, which could be more than a month, you know, where that puts them in terms of a team that the Lakers could potentially pass if they play, uh, if they take care of business and play the right way. Well, three games against the same team is a lot of games. There's one this Saturday. The thing is, is that, and Zach Lowe has been, I think, very good at making this, this point is that a guy goes out and especially a guy who is at the center of, of everything that you're it's very easy to say well they're just going to be awful but the last time Steph missed a bunch of games they hovered around 500 and a lot of that is because they have a bunch of other good basketball players and the and players who are capable of taking on usage and and when they play well they're going to beat teams and we just saw that when they destroyed the thunder right we talked about that at the top at uh, the top of the pod and a good clay night here, a good Wigan nights there. Like Draymond's going to do Draymond stuff. Jordan Poole's going to get more usage and more touches, which he seems to thrive with. And suddenly they're like, okay, well, they're not the Warriors, the contending team, but they get to keep the same shape that they've played with. And they their game plan doesn't change very much. And maybe a guy like Kaminga gets a few more touches or Moses Moody finds his way into the rotation. And these guys are kind of chomping at the bit to get a little bit more role. And now they get it and they get to play a little bit. And so 
I'm hopeful the Lakers can, can, as Mike said, like handle their business against a team that I actually think that they have some physical advantages against and, and that they match up fairly well against in certain ways. But I'm still looking at a team like the Jazz as like, okay, well, you're in 10th. And last night or the other night when they lost, Jordan Clarkson's just like, well, yeah, there's some outside noise going on right now. Yeah, guess what? Your general manager wants to trade half of the team <laughs> if he can, right? And so that, so like for a good vibes team like the Jazz, if bad vibes happen or right. a, or a major trade quickly. happens, yeah. then things can yeah. turn because they've rode That's the wave of spirit. Experiment. Yes, for it, sure. And because they've been riding that wave of spirit as much as talent, right, Pete? And, and and so, like, I don't know, man. The Lakers are in for a dogfight. Like, I like, I we can look at who can fall out, but the Lakers. Someone said this post game the other day, but they control their own destiny. They got to go out there. And Darwin said yep. this too when about like the idea of like trades and what other teams are doing. Is just like, look, I got enough to worry about with my own team yep. to start to consider what all these other teams are doing out there. So. Lakers need to go out and play their brand of basketball and play hard. And like Austin coming back is going to help Pete, all of these things. But finding their own groove is what's important yep. to me as much as like, oh, what's going on with with these other teams. That, that's been my position really the whole season is that we do control our destiny. And if we handle business and play up to our talent, then we'll be OK. But then I see us lose a game like we did against the Pelicans and then flirt with a similar loss against both Indiana and then New York as well. And it's like I, I just haven't seen the sense of urgency kick in entirely to trust that yet. Um, but we shall see with respect to Golden State, like they're certainly capable. And if I'm in if I'm looking at it from a Golden State perspective, like I'm like, look, when we reset, get to the playoffs and re-reset and everybody's record is zero and zero, ain't nobody beating our guys healthy in a series in like 10 years. So let's get to the playoffs and get the, but that's going to require everybody to raise the level of their game. Clay and Draymond, the young dudes on a night to night basis in a Western conference where the team they're playing against that night is also fighting for playoff position. And so these defending champion type of teams can have these nights where they just don't really bring the requisite energy and heat to a game and they'll lose a game against an inferior team as a result of that. They can't have any of those nights anymore without Steph. Steph kind of erases that margin for error that I think they have. So they're certainly capable of keeping their head above water, but somebody was going to get hurt. And there was just so many teams that are bunched up together that it was almost a certainty that a really important player or more will get hurt and, and miss time for an extended period. So we shall see what happens with Golden State. Uh, Got to handle business against OKC tonight. We'll see if LeBron gets the record. We'll have a pot about that uh, as soon as he does. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block shot that a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers.
Raptors looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol. Pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.